This is Financial Standard, the definitive source of news, thought leadership and analysis for Australian wealth management professionals. Financial Standard. Take the lead. Hello and welcome to the Financial Standard podcast. I'm Jamie Williamson, Managing Editor of Financial Standard, and today I'm joined by Andrew Hansen, Managing Director for New South Wales at recruitment giant Robert Walters. Andrew, thank you so much for jumping on the pod with us today. Jamie, thanks very much for having me. Now, the start of a new year is as good a time as any to start a new role, or maybe it's not. You might have a different view. (laughs) However, there certainly seems to be a lot of movement in the market at the moment. Um, Sadly, obviously, with economic headwinds as they are, we have seen many organizations um, even recently scale back their workforce. We saw, you know, ANZ just recently, PwC, Macquarie, CBA. That said, demand for talent in financial services is still high and employers are willing to be competitive. So Andrew, I want to get started with you by maybe going backwards a little bit and having a look at how 2023 panned out. Did things pan out the way that you expected them to? Well, Jamie, last year was probably one of the strangest years I've encountered in 20 years of recruitment. Um, Whilst we expected and were forecasting that things may prove a little trickier, after what proved to be a, a really strong 2022, um, we didn't manage to forecast how hard it would end up being. The real challenge was that whilst we've witnessed challenging markets in the past, there's there's usually an event or a clear reason as to as to why and a necessary quick adjustment thereafter. For example, you know when COVID hit, or if we go back to the GFC many years ago. But whilst things I don't think we're as tough on the buy side as perhaps more broadly if you look at specific verticals like technology or our experience, you know, where there was a change of government with Labor coming in and a distinct focus on reducing budget on hiring and on Labor hire in particular. There was sub- sub- subdued hiring last year with, um, you know, funds funds under management were down across a lot of funds and flows were hard to come by. Uh, and many firms paused hiring whilst they dealt with the challenges that were presented. Um, having said that, there were pockets of hiring. Um, we look at areas like private markets, private debt, and, and credit predominantly. Um, and in ETFs, yeah, there was there was still hiring that was going on. And now we're firmly in 2024. So, what are your predictions in terms of hiring intentions for the year ahead? Oh, it's a tricky one. Um, I think it's always tempting to say cautiously optimistic after you come through a really challenging year like it was last year. Probably. Almost not quite there for that yet, but I'd, I'd maybe say that as I look out over the over the over the whole year. But we are having some positive conversations with clients at the start of this year. There is intent to hire, and we're having those conversations about where those hires are going to come from. But as yet, as we get into February and and everything's um, back up and running, we've got our traditional summer holiday out of the way and Australia Day's past. We're still yet to really see much change in terms of job flow as of, as of now. So, look, I'm 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 being cautious after a, a a much more challenging year, as I said before, than than we expected. But there most certainly are more positive conversations and and obviously more broad, you know, macroeconomic um, signs that are coming around. Um, and I know the market's priced it in already, but when you think about where's inflation, um, where interest rates are now, there is there is some hope that it's going to be a, a better year than it was last. Now, one of Robert Walter's specialties is investment management. And you kind of already touched on this a little bit, but obviously one of the most important functions in this space is distribution. And we've seen a lot of movement on this front 
as you mentioned, as ETFs dominate. Fund managers are losing mandates to super funds all the time as they're in-housing their investments. There's, you know, there's a lot going on that's really influencing this space. As a result, the nature of distribution has really changed in kind of recent years. Hmm. How has this changed the way in which you guys are recruiting for distribution roles and are employers seeking distribution staff perhaps with a more diverse background? Maybe they've got more of a technical background than, you know, previous candidates might have required. Mm-hmm. Most certainly. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Look, a couple of key trends. I think there's definitely less demand for traditional sales skill sets. You know, the the, the long lunch to the whining and the dining, the, the, the sales side of things, and far more of a focus on candidates with a, a strong technical investment specialist skill set. Our clients are looking for candidates who can sit with CIOs and discuss markets and products in great detail and have that technical knowledge and nous. I think firms have had a concerted push to target wholesale channels, so private wealth, dealer groups, IFAs, yeah. as well as direct to family office. And this has seen more demand for candidates with deep relationships across these channels um, rather than the the institutional relationships that perhaps we were, we were more focusing on over the, the years past. I guess in addition, the growing influence of asset consultants across the industry has seen an increase in demand for specialist asset consulting and research relationship management roles as well. You kind of already touched on it previously um, when you were talking about sort of the the sectors, you mentioned ETFs that were quite popular in terms of recruitment for, for last year. What are the what are some of the themes that you're seeing emerge in terms of positions employers are looking to fill or or maybe capabilities that they're growing? For instance, you know, recent years we've seen kind of ESG teams being bolstered after the Royal Commission, risk and compliance. There was a real focus on making sure that those capabilities were sound. Are there any particular skill sets that you're seeing emerge as a priority for employers now that that differ from before? Oh, no, I certainly agree with you around the, the bolstering of risk and compliance teams. And I think after the the glut of focus on those types of roles, it's interesting we're not we're not seeing as as much movement there. And I think salaries also really pushed up really significantly there. So I think we've got quite a lot of people that perhaps are sitting in a pretty good position um, and there's a distinct lack of movement. But as for the, the the trends and the priorities, I guess what I was touching on before just there around the demand for the specialist asset consulting, that would be the probably the, the major trend and the skill set that we're being pushed for more where, where we weren't previously and that research relationship management type of role. You talk about ESG and I think, look, it's important. It's spoken about on most of the meetings we're going to and there are teams that focus on the frameworks and policies. However, they are small and as a, as a recruiter that, that works with a reasonable amount of volume in the market, and I spoke with the team about this um, over the last week or so, we don't see a lot of roles coming to us where they're specifically looking for, for ESG candidates. So I'd say um, it's not less of a focus because I know it's still important, but those teams have been built. And I think really the only one that stands out in terms of a particular skill set is more on that um, specialist asset consulting side of things. Okay, interesting. Finally, this one might be a little controversial for for some of our listeners, <laughs> um, but how important are designations to prospective employers? CFP numbers in Australia are on a downward trend. We've seen a similar trend globally, uh, particularly after the pandemic when it comes to the CFA. In your experience, do these designations hold as much weight with employers as they once did? 
Well, look, I'll start by saying that I don't think the the level of respect for those designations is is any less. Um, you know, I've got many friends that have gone through the process and committed to to getting a CFA, and it's it's a it's a it's a it's a real commitment to 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 put yourself yeah. in that position to be working full time and yeah. do that. However, having said that, um, I would I would probably say that yes, I, in 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 our experience. Um, they're more nice to haves when we're recruiting our roles as opposed to our clients coming to us and saying a person must hold this designation. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess that could be read as less importance, I suppose. Having said that, I don't think going back, it's ever been necessarily for the types of roles that we're recruiting um, a must-have in the first place, so perhaps a way for a candidate to stand themselves apart in a process. But on the whole, I would say that practical experience is more sought after than a designation. Well, thank you, Andrew, so much for sharing those insights with us. I'm sure that any listeners out there who are considering a job or a career change, you've probably helped clarify a few concerns that they might have had. So thank you for that. Thank you very much for having me. And um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're always happy to to speak to people about their their individual circumstances and to, um, to to help them, you know, benchmark where they're at in their career. Um, it is an interesting time at the moment. I think there's We've witnessed more broadly the a slight, you know, lack of confidence for people to to move jobs when when things are when times are a little tougher. Um, so it will be interesting if if we see that market confidence come back a bit and job volume start to increase, then it'll be it'll be a really interesting year ahead. But thanks very much for having me. No worries, and don't forget you are going to be joining us again in a few weeks. Andrew's going to be back. We're going to be talking about something that. We all have a bit of a love-hate relationship. We're going to be talking about money, salaries to be precise. So how much are employers willing to pay, what benefits are on offer and how are they meeting expectations? So if you're interested, don't forget to click the subscribe button and we will see you again in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this Financial Standard podcast. For more information, visit financialstandard.com.au. Please keep in mind that the information discussed in this podcast is general in nature and does not consider personal circumstances. Reliance should not be placed on any content without further independent financial research and advice.